Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hey now all, this is the Spirit Doctor, Kelly Sparta, and you are listening to Spirit Sherpa, the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. Today I'm joined once again by Perfectly G from TikTok, Grant Merrill. Hello, thanks for having me back. I'm so glad to have you here again. I am so excited to keep going on this. And and just just for those of you who are going, wait, perfectly G, it was, wasn't it Pastor G? Yes, it was Pastor G, but you've got a story about that. I do, yes. I recently uh, surrendered my credentials. And so my name on TikTok has changed. I am perfectly G, as I have undone some of my own uh, faith and spirituality over the last few years. I uh, parted ways with the institution that I was working for. So there you go. And hence the name change on TikTok. So, um, and, and, you know, we all have to go there for the cake videos. <laughs> well, I saw the recent one where you had the, the, the uh, sneakers on that were supposed to be the perfect girl sneakers or something. <laughs> that was, that was funny. I'm, I, I love watching your videos. They're awesome. So. We're going to talk some more about the seven deadly sins and virtues. Um, and so it's, I, I just think, you know what? I, I'm just having a moment of going, you know, when I set this up, I was like, yeah, let's get, let's get a, a, a representative of the church to come in and talk about the seven deadly sins. And in true Kelly fashion, because I carry the energy of change. <laughs> <laughs> I picked the one person. Yes. <laughs> no longer going to be a member of the church. 
Little did we know that that was in the works a long time ago. However, um, I, I did make that choice to to leave my my institution. But yes, by, here by I am. No, um, by I no stretch of the imagination a... did I think that it was my fault that you did it. I just knew that me carrying the energy of change, I would pick the person who was in massive change, right? You know, because that's just how I roll. <laughs> I am happy to still speak from a progressive Christian standpoint. Oh, that is, that yeah, is the yeah, world yeah. I exist in still. And uh, I, and today's topic is not my favorite either. So, <laughs> Well, half of it's good. Yeah. <laughs> the other half is kind of annoying. Yeah. But yes. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just laughing at myself is really what it comes down to because I'm very good at that is finding the the one person who's in the midst of massive change um and uh so you know I mean it's just can we talk for a minute we can because you know being a shaman being a transformational shaman doing massive change work with people all the time right Mm -hmm. I, I am my life doesn't get to be super stable, right? Um, I got to be stable for a while because I lived in a community house. I ran a community house and other people would move. And so I could stay because my life was constantly changing because we were constantly having new roommates move in and things like that. And so I got to stay in the same place for eight years, which was like the longest I've ever lived anywhere in my entire life, right? Uh, I've moved like, I think it's, I can't remember if it's 39 or 40 times in my life. I've moved a lot. And so, you know, now we're here in, in Richmond. We've been in this house for two years and we're already planning to move out of country right? We're we're talking about Spain. We'll see where we end up. So if you're a listener in Spain, specifically in Grenada, Granada, I'm not sure how you say it, near the Alhambra, uh, uh, we're, we're looking to come and visit. So if you're a listener and you're, you're uh, in that area, please reach out. Uh, But yeah, I mean, life is just constantly changing. And, and the people that I bring into my life are constantly in change. And it's so interesting you say that. Uh, I I have have had the the gift, the joy of being a healer in four churches over fifteen years of ministry, um, and so in the midst of that, like I have been the stable presence in the midst of massive changes, of massive uh, cultural changes, of pastoral changes, of of construction projects, and. In this last congregation I was serving, I was the one undergoing massive change, and I needed to leave so that I had my own stability uh, to to heal. Uh, I couldn't heal while healing at the same time. Yes. And that's an important thing, right? Because, you know, we're doing a series on the podcast about becoming a light worker. And, you know, one of, and this is not one of those series, but it's an important thing to recognize that you cannot do your own healing work and heal others at the same time. It's, it's, it's not possible and it's actively damaging either to you or to them or both. And so, you know, I often have people walk into a change process and the first thing they say is, I want to save everybody. I want to, I want to bring this to the world. I want to, you know, whatever. Right. And I look at them and I'm like, do your own work first right? Because once you're up and running and doing work for others, you will not have the time, space, or energy to do your own work. And you're not safe to work with others until you've done your own work. So these are these are things to consider. Not the topic that we're talking about today, but you know, 
hey, we like to fly by the seat of our pants and make shit up as we go because that's who we are. So there you go. So we are talking about lust and chastity today, which, you know, you would think I would really want to get into because, you know, lust is awesome. Chastity, not so much, but, you know, <laughs> well, chastity is fine if you're choosing it. If, if, you're, if you're being forced into it, not so much, right? So, yeah. So, you know, this is one of my biggest things with the church, right? Is you can't have pleasure. There can be no pleasure. All pleasure comes from God and it is not of the body. And I'm like, then why are we on the planet? Why did God give us a body if we weren't meant to enjoy it? So, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I have a funny story. So I grew up in a bunch of different uh, places and therefore went to a bunch of different youth groups over the years. Because uh, my mother was non-religious. Uh, and so, you know, she's like, I'll take you to youth group, but I'm not going to church with you. So I went to a bunch of different ones. And I ended up at a summer camp for, uh, it was a Southern Baptist, Southern camp. Oh, yes. And and the pastor there was very young. You know, the, 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 kid, the teenager's pastor, he was talking to kids who were, you know, I would say we were like 12 to 16 or something, right? And uh, he was probably 22. <laughs> he, was, he was a young guy. Uh, and um, it, the topic of masturbation came up. And he was talking about, you know, one of the guys was asking, he's like, Christ had to masturbate. He had to, right? And, and you know, so the, 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 the euphemism for masturbation in this conversation became whatnot <laughs> and whatnot, right? And what was so funny is, it, I mean, he had a really lovely way of looking at it. And he was, he, he didn't shame you. He didn't do the body shaming thing. And he was very healthy in the way he, he responded to the conversation. But throughout the rest of the weekend, because we were there for a whole weekend and this happened early on, people would say whatnot. And all of the kids would start laughing hysterically. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, yeah, and we're talking about Christ masturbating. Yay. Okay. So, you know, lust in the church has been a problem in, in terms of, you know, well, any sexual anything. And yet Catholicism is like, go forth and be fruitful. Just don't have fun doing it. Just don't have fun doing it. Yeah. Sex is for procreation. Don't have fun. Yeah. So. Specifically in this, and I think it's so interesting. So I, I come out of a Protestant tradition, uh, specifically a fundamentalist Protestant tradition. And and I grew up at the height of purity culture within evangelicalism. I mean, that's that's a, a large thing on TikTok right now is the undoing of purity culture. Um, and so I grew up at the height of that. I, I remember reading books like I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Uh, you know, the whole... The you whole what? I Kissed Dating Goodbye was the name of this book. And the, the, the thought line was, you shouldn't date unless you know you're going to marry the person. So literally, it was setting up to go on a first date only if you were ready to marry that person, which is just absolutely nuts. But um, specifically, I think from, from, a, from a more honest uh, Christian perspective, I would say uh, from a truly Catholic or Orthodox perspective, lust, lust is not really about pleasure. 
uh, lust is about the using of others for our own pleasure, which usually we think of in sexual terms. Um, it, it, you know, specifically we talk about lust in sexual terms, but but it, it really the the concept moves towards anything. It's using others for our own pleasure, whether that be sexual or, or otherwise, and and that could involve actual acts with others, or it could involve not. You know, according to the Gospels, Jesus. Jesus compares looking at a woman uh, uh, disrespectfully as as lust or as uh, the same as committing adultery. And it's ironic because as much as we denounce lust in, in evangelical traditions, the truth is that when you grow up in a purity culture, when you're married— Immediately, everything is not only okay, but it is the wife's job, according to evangelicalism, to make sure that her husband is happy all the time, which is using someone for your own pleasure. It is, by definition, lust. And so um, this topic is wonderful because we think of lust in this one term, but really we're talking about using others. And chastity really... Um, uh, uh, is not the antidote. It's not the the counter virtue of not using others. I mean, there are healthy ways of viewing sexuality without abstaining from sexuality. In in terms of the not using others for your pleasure against their will would be the presumption. Absolutely, against against their will or using it in a way that's disrespectful to their being. In you know, we are not saying we are not condemning kink culture, for instance. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because you know everything's consensual and 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 as long as it's consensual it is what it is right and Adult, what adults do in their own time is their own business right and um so you know the the key here is the not using someone else for your pleasure which is which is a big part of the me too pl- movement right the idea that you don't look at someone else for your pleasure right um and then there's a, I think the challenge, and this is the, the argument that, that a lot of, um, men make in regards to that, which is, well, she dressed that way, so she was asking for it, right? And, and there is, there is, there's a fine line there because some people dress that way because they want the male gaze. It is true that that is true. I have been that person. I will speak from personal experience. I have gone out dressed in very lewd and luscious ways because I wanted to be noticed and I liked the gaze. And that's what I wanted. And then I have also dressed in very lewd and luscious ways, not seeking the male gaze. And so it becomes a difficult line to to navigate for men because one they're taught that women are there for their pleasure that's been our cultural norm right and two now that we're changing the rules well what do you mean i have to figure out what consent is and you know how do i determine consent when it's about my gaze right and so that becomes its own thing right and you know it's i think it's as simple as you know, don't approach somebody you don't know. Let's start with that in a disrespectful fashion, right? Now, you know, 75% of my listeners are women and the 25 that are guys, I'm pretty sure you guys are not the problem. because <laughs> That's probably an accurate guess, yes. I'm pretty sure you guys are not the problem. 
<laughs> but you know, if your guy friends who are the problem ask you, then, then these would be some good rules to, to set out, right? You know, lust is about using someone else for your pleasure, right? So, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of ways to think about that. And, and porn on the internet is a classic example. Now, if you're selling the porn, then presumably you are in consent, right? Because you have been paid for or are being paid for the, the, the porn. Um, if you have uploaded of your own free will to a website, something that you have done, then sure. Okay. Uh, if, however, someone else has uploaded something of you without your knowledge or consent, now we're over into the lust and the using piece, right? Yeah. Okay. So I think we've defined lust, but I think there's another piece to it because there's a, there is a addictive quality to the energy of lust and that addictive attachment energy to the, the energy of lust is inherently a problem from a spiritual healing perspective. Because when you go into addiction or attachment, which is in the second chakra, which is where lust resides, right? Typically, what that means is that you've pulled a, an, an issue out of your third or fourth chakra, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. I, you know, nobody notices me. I'm not important, whatever. And you've yanked it down into your pleasure center and you're now trying to fill it with the behavior that is going to temporarily numb or make it go away. Right. And that is never going to solve the problem. What, what happens is you become a black hole of need that can never be filled. Right. Because it's being filled in a chakra in which it doesn't exist. Right. And so. Lust in and of itself is an indicator of this particular spiritual wound. I've got a book coming out. Um, it should be out by the time this is airing. It's called The Overachiever's Guide to Nailing Your Spiritual Growth in Record Time. Nailing being hysterical in this context. Yes. But... Yes! <laughs> 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 I love the double entendre. Makes me happy. So... Uh, but in it, I talk about all the different types of spiritual wounds that I have found in spiritual seekers over the last you know, decade that I've been doing energy scans. I've done over 3000 energy scans for people. And these are the, these are the blocks and wounds that came up and not everybody had all of them, but everybody had some of them. Right. And so that's one of the ones that we talk about is the addictions the, and the attachments. Lust in this context is it's not, so it's sort of the similar, I think it's kind of similar to the Buddhist version of desire, right? Not in the, and not exactly because it's not the using of someone else in desire, right? But it is in the idea of the, the wanting of something that is unattainable in some fashion, right? Because, you know, wanting something is fine. Desiring and obsessing and, you know, being attached to something that you're not going to get is a totally different animal. That is the, that is the source of all suffering. And we've had that conversation before, right? So, uh, but in this context, it's kind of similar to desire in that way as well. And so it feels like there's like so many layers to this one, right? 
Yeah. And, and of course, it's seductive because, you know, lust. You know, even if it's not sexual, it's seductive, right? Because it just, it draws you in with the promise of fulfilling all the things that you don't like about yourself, right? And you're like, ah, oh. it's, it's kind of like the, the bargain with the devil, right? It's like the contract with the devil. You know, you do this and, and uh, I'll make you feel all better. You just have to trade in your soul. <laughs> so... So anything more from the from the Christian side of things before we go into the opposite or into the virtual? I think that it's interesting because lust being one of the seven deadly sins, the seven cardinal sins, um, it, it does seem at first glance as if orthodox Christian doctrine, orthodox uh, theology has has demonized sexuality. When in reality, I I love boy um, women through Christian history are my they're my they're my heroines. I love them. Uh, the Desert Mothers, um, lots of the ancient Christian mystics, um, Hildegard, uh, Hildegard, um, Bridget, uh, wildly wildly sexual uh, writings from many women within. Christian history. Um, uh, uh, some of the middle-aged nuns uh, that wrote, uh, some of the Christian mystics, wrote wildly sexual accounts of experiences with Christ. I mean, they they describe um, uh, sexual organs and, and uh, you know, erotic and uh, orgasmic experiences with the Spirit. And, you know, uh, on one hand, you look at that and say, well, it's because you were a nun and it wasn't happening elsewhere. But on the other hand, I think it's because there's something about the divine spirit that is revealed to us in in our own bodies and sexuality, one way or another, whether that be through physical the physical act of sex, or whether that be just through uh, being present in our own skin, uh, you know, that is inherently being present. And that's actually my New Year's resolution this year was to be present in my body, to be aware of my body's uh, presence at all times and to try to feel myself and uh, feel what I'm experiencing. And, and um, that is inherently sexual, uh, to be present in my body, even if it's nothing to do with uh, intimacy at all. And so I think it's interesting, as much as we tend to demonize sexuality, within Christian doctrine and, and uh, Christian writing, uh, sexuality and spirituality are, are really held together uh, in the same hands because they're almost inseparable, um, which is perhaps why we demonize sexuality, because we're afraid we will. It's mm, it's the Garden of Eden uh, that, that you will become like God. Perhaps we feel that we're flying too close to the sun when we express ourselves uh, in, in um, intimate uh, ways. So. Yeah. Well, and, and in tantric tradition, uh, the concept of having a, a um, spiritual orgasm is actually fairly common. I mean, it's, it's part of the, part of the tradition and uh, there are energy movements through the body that are called kriyas that are uh, precursors to the orgasm uh, of the energy. And so the energy orgasm is not, a, if for those of you who've never experienced it, it's not the same as a physical orgasm, although they can coexist at the same time. Um, but an energy orgasm is literally the the uh, the culmination of the the blossoming of the energy uh, into its fullest expression, which is um, an opening into the divine. And so 
as you step into the opening, into the divine, uh, in tantric tradition, the woman is the entry point into the divine for the man. Uh, and, and when I say woman and man, masculine and feminine energies. Okay. So, so a man can hold the feminine and a, and a woman can hold the masculine. And so it works the same for heterosexual and homosexual couples as well as multiple partners and whatever. Right. But, uh, the feminine is probably the better way to put this. Uh, it holds the energy for the masculine with the idea that the masculine being so directed and head based and, and focused and so on has a hard time opening into beingness, which is required for this transition into the divine. The, the beingness requires being all in your body, not in your head. It requires being fully present in your body and aware of everything that's going on without bullshit running through your brain saying, no, that's not good, or I should be doing this, or da 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 or oh, I shouldn't feel this good, or oh, let me do something for you instead. I can't receive this much. I'm dying. All of the, all of the all that goes on, right? And the energy requires a surrender to the experience and to the sensations and to the energy. That process is something that is really something nuns excel at because they're in surrender. They are in their connection to spirit. They're in uh, their entire lives are around that. So I'm not at all surprised that they would have these experiences because they're inherently practicing the state required to get to that experience. You know, the, the concept of sexuality as sacred, and I need to do an episode on this, clearly. <laughs> I'm stunned I haven't yet, to be honest. But, uh, you know, the concept of sacred sexuality is, is inherent throughout most traditions. Yeah. And so, you know, there's nothing saying that sexuality is bad. Now, we've spent 20 minutes talking about lust. And we have... About seven minutes left in the episode to talk about chastity. So before we get too far afield, we need to start talking about chastity because otherwise we won't talk about it at all because, you know, clearly we don't like it. But there's a balance to be had, right? And so chastity, I, I went and looked it up and it literally is, you know, the absence of sexuality um, and the idea of, of removing oneself from amoral sexual experiences not all sexual experiences it's not i'm sorry not chastity celibacy that's what i'm saying yes so chastity and celibacy are not necessarily the same thing though chastity is the absence of amoral sexual activity right and lust is the using of another which would be the amoral side right right so theoretically the nuns are chaste, even when they're having energy orgasms with Christ. Yes. And so chaste, to, and it's interesting that to chasten someone is to shame them almost, right? That's, that's where the language has gone, right? And so that implies that, that to, ch- to be chaste is to be without shame. Um, years ago, when I was stepping into my sexual self, there was a book that came out called the um, 
the un, the the ethical slut, and it was all about stepping into your unshamed self in your sexuality. And so being an ethical slut would be considered chaste. Everything in, in, in you know, everything con- consent-based, choosing your path, deciding what you wanted, you know, everyone's okay with it. We're being good within, uh, and, but here's the thing, right? Amoral is the word. And whose morals are we talking about? Well, within Christianity, we really, we talk about the church's morals. Uh, We want to claim that they're God's morals, but in reality, the divine's morals look vastly different than the morals that the church has defined. Um, I would say within a more more honest uh, answer, I would say that, that the divine imparts morals to each of us per our own place in life. And so, you know, I am a sex positive person who would identify as, as a Christian and, and I am sex worker positive. And, you know, th- those are the morals that I have, I have taken on. And so my amoral looks very different than the amoral of, um, uh, the Notre Dame students that are just down the road, or at least that they would claim perhaps. Um, yes, uh, absolutely. It is who, who owns morals, uh, perhaps is the, the bottom line of this conversation, you know? Well, and, and if you look at Christ's life, to the best of my knowledge, there's nothing in the, in the Bible that says anything about sexuality in Christ at all. However, he lived and traveled with Mary Magdalene Yes. Yes. My favorite, my favorite Bible character, just for the record, I love Mary Magdalene. I've been to Magdala on the Sea of Galilee. It, she is, she is like, her story resonates in my soul. Um, and my favorite moment in any of the Gospels is Easter morning from John's depiction of the Gospel, or from John's depiction of, of Easter. And, and there's this intimate, I mean, deeply intimate moment in the garden where Peter and the other disciple had just uh, ran away from the tomb. They were disappointed because it's empty. And Mary Magdalene turns around and she sees who she believes to be the gardener. And and um, uh, she realizes her eyes are open. She realizes that it, it is the resurrected Christ in the story, or at least in the narrative. And, and there's this intimate moment where she falls at his feet, grabs him, and says, Rabboni, which means teacher. And he says, don't hold on to me. I've not yet ascended. But the language in, in the original language is so deeply intimate, not necessarily sexual, but more intimate than perhaps any other moment in, in any other gospel. And, and there's that, there's that tinge of, um, tension. I, I started to say sexual tension, I'm, and I'm a little unco- I'm not uncomfortable with the idea that they could could be lovers. I'm not uncomfortable with that, but I won't I won't lay that into this narrative. Um, uh, there's that tension that we see unlike anywhere else, and I love that about her. Um, now that being said, uh, the church painted her a harlot. Uh, unfortunately, um, she's not she's not a prostitute, but boy, the Catholic Church claimed it for uh, several centuries. So, well, now. Uh, if I recall correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm pulling off of, you know, who knows what right now, because it's coming out of deep out of my memory banks. But um, wasn't it that she was married to someone else and left her husband to follow Christ? Was that not the case? No, we don't know anything about Mary Magdalene's life other than she was from Magdala. 
what we what we can assume uh well we know we know that in the gospels she had seven demons released from her which again there's all kinds of poetry um seven being uh, the jewish symbolism for perfection so she she had the perfect uh, uh, amount of of uh, past life or whatever released from her past past livelihood but we know that she was wealthy that she was a businesswoman and that she had demons released from her um now there there are other marys there are other women in the gospels that down the down the years uh people had assumed perhaps could be mary magdalene that there was a woman who left her husband that there was a woman who was caught in adultery there were and and people have on on Uncorrect, or incorrectly assumed that perhaps that's Mary Magdalene. But in essence, Mary Magdalene got a bad rap because she was a strong, wealthy businesswoman who I would say was the, the beloved disciple. She was, in my opinion, she was the beloved disciple. She was Jesus' favorite. Um, and so, of course, she's going to get a bad rap. Um, she would have been the rightful first pope as well. However, I, I won't make that argument today. She should have been the first pope. Was there a book of Mary? There is. There is a gospel of Mary. Uh, and actually, it's it's a lovely text. It wasn't canonized, of course, but it is a beautiful text. There are lots of extra canonical or, or books outside of the, the 66 canonical books in the Bible um, that are worth reading. And the gospel of Mary is lovely. It's a lovely, uh, some beautiful stories of, of Jesus' life. Um, uh, lovely perspective. Yeah. So, yeah, if you don't know the Council of Nicaea in like 1000, uh, three around late 300s, early 400s. Oh, I thought it was later, but the Council of Nicaea, you know, removed a bunch of books. <laughs> they were like, oh, no, we're throwing this one out and that one out and the other one out. Because, you know, because, you know an incomplete history is better than, than a complete history because it tells what we want it to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, if we're talking chasteness, is it, it is all about the morals, right? Yes. And so, you know, the key is coming back to this idea of whose morals, because this is one of the things I talk to my students about all the time. It's like, look, you cannot live your life by one set of values and judge your life by a different set and ever expect to find happiness. And so choose your values, your morals wisely and live by the same ones that you judge yourself by because otherwise you're just setting yourself up for unhappiness right okay wow all right well we had a lot to talk about on this topic that's not surprising but we could, we could go for another 30 minutes on this i know i know i have so much i could say invite me back for your uh, sexuality and spirituality okay uh, please invite all right me back yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to have to do several of those because, you know, I, I, I have so many friends in that world. So, uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, I used to teach Tantra back in the day. So <laughs> that's why I'm like, oh, and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I think we're going to leave this topic here. And um, let's just wrap it up with a thought. Let me let me think for a second. There's There's a... On the path to embodiment... Your morals that you choose and the cleanliness of your spirit, not from a, not from a, you know, shame based, but from a, how much you have cleared your wounds, right? Will determine the health of your sexuality. 
little bow on it right there. How about that? All right. So they can find you at Perfectly G, the letter G, on TikTok. And uh, for those of you who, who have not yet, please subscribe and rate the podcast uh, and go and check out Perfectly G on TikTok. I'm also on TikTok at Kelly Sparta. And if you are on your spiritual path and you would like some help accelerating that journey, check out the Inner Peace 101 program. I would love to talk to you. And with that... We will call this episode complete. Tune in next time when I share another episode on energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Kelly Sparta, here with Grant Merrill, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. Goodbye. strong knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving wondering where my spirit will I'm driving are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing but you feel like you kind of probably should especially since You seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.